Last week, we began a new series on the Old Testament. And last week, it was an introduction. And today, we're going to speak about creation. And uh, just to quickly uh, give you a goal for this week, it's to have a sense of wonder and awe at God's power and beauty. A sense of wonder and awe at God's power and beauty. That's our goal, and I'll try and develop that as we go along. Very quick summary of last week. I said that last that the the roots of the whole Bible are in the Old Testament. And if we want to to get the fruit from the New Testament, we have to understand and really get to grips with the roots in the Old Testament. Because so much of the new flows out of what is in the old in many different ways, both in richness and in understanding. We're going to see that today as well. So my outline today is looking at creation. We're going to start with the Genesis account of creation. Then we're going to look at creation in the rest of scriptures. Then Jesus, the creator, and finish with our response to the God who creates so first of all, the Genesis account, and I'm sure you all know how the Bible opens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think we can take that expression as meaning everything. It's not just the sky and the land. It's, it's everything that he created. Um, now, the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, so God separated the light from the darkness. Well, I'm not going to go read the whole thing through, but I, because I want to do quite a bit of talking about how it works and how it fits in with the rest of scripture. But um, you can see that God created something from nothing. In fact, everything from nothing, simply by speaking. He spoke the word and it came into being. And it seems that this was a two-step process. The first step was nothing to a formless chaos, described here as without shape and empty and, and dark. And then from that to from the, that to chaos, from that chaos to order. And we'll see that uh, humans were to continue this process of bringing chaos to order, and that's part of our responsibility. So initially you'll see that God um, declared it to be good, and that means there must have been no sin at that time in creation. So this is Genesis 1. Now if we look at the first two chapters, we'll see that the first two verses, as we saw, were a summary statement in the beginning. But then in verse 3 to, to chapter 2, verse 3, we have six days of creation and a day of rest. And then we have, from chapter 2, verse 4 to the end of the chapter, another description of creation with a focus on the first humans. And the emphasis is how different we are because God's breath is breathed into us. So in 2 verse 7 it says, 
Then the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So you see something different about the way God created humanity from the rest of creation. So that's, uh, th- that is the, um, the way that those two chapters work. And one of the ancient ways of describing events was to tell the event from two different perspectives. And not to contradict, but to complement the two, like stereo sound. And we see the same idea uh, of the two descriptions in the book of Revelation and other places in the scripture. Um, so it's not that those two creation stories are intended in any way to contradict one another. They're reflecting two different things about God's creation. Now, sadly, Christians in the past have fought over the actual details of creation, what happened. And I believe that we should fight for essentials. I believe that if something is, is crucial to, you know, to salvation, to, to uh, understanding of God, then we should fight for it. But if something's not essential and people sincerely believe the scriptures and really want to understand the best they can, I don't think we should be fighting, but we should be in love trying to help one another understand these things. So what issues have split Christians over this? Uh, One of them is old earth, young earth. Young earth would say the earth is 6,000 years old. Uh, Some people will give it to you to the day. Um, And others say, no, it's older than that. Some would say many more thousands. Some would say millions of earth, but basically older than the the uh, the young earth. So that's one of the issues. Another one would be, was it six literal days or is there a poetic, symbolic nature to those days? There are some who have said, well, you know, God says a day in to God is a thousand years, so maybe there were a thousand year days. Well, actually, that doesn't work out very well, but that was one of the ideas that people have come up with and and has split Christians. Another one is, when were all the different varieties of animals created? Was it in a moment, and right then they're created exactly how they are now with no change? Or what intelligent design would say is, over millions of years, God created animals and plants at different times. So those are the the, the kind of things that split people. And I'm just going to give you a an oversimplification, but it might be helpful three positions that you'll find out there. Um, people divide it differently. Some would say four positions. Um, there's a book by Zondervan called Four Views on Creation, which, if you're interested, gives gets four Christians to bring their perspectives and to lovingly interact with one another on this. But one position would be creation happened 6,000 years ago. The animals were created in six days exactly as they are now. Not just the animals, but everything else. The second one, a much longer time ago, this happened, but nevertheless, it was six days, just six days, much, much longer ago. And the third one would be a much longer time ago, but the animals and plants were created over time, not randomly as in evolution, but with intelligent design. So God actually created all the creatures that we see, but he created them in a process over time and not 
bang all at once in six days. So that's three positions on creation. Each one of them is held by Christians who believe that the Bible is God's inspired word without error and earnestly want to understand it. Um, so I want to ask them, what is it vital that we believe? What is it that should be a core of all Christians' belief? And I'm going to suggest that essential truths are, in the beginning, there was God. He is the one who is before all things. Everything was created by him, however he did it, and whatever the time frame. He is the creator. I think that's an essential truth. Uh, creation is a revelation of himself. Don't lose sight of the wonder of creation. It's not something that just randomly happened, but God created it himself. And I would say it's essential to believe in a literal Adam and Eve as the first humans, simply because much of the New Testament assumes this. And uh, the, the, the teachings say, for example, in Paul about how <clears throat> what, what Jesus has done to eradicate sin is based on this idea. So I'm going to tell you now how we're going to proceed as we go through different stories in the Old Testament in this series. This is what we're going to do. We're going to follow a three-step process. The first thing we're going to do is look at the scripture we're studying right now. And that's what we've done, even though it's briefly. We've looked at the Genesis account. And then we're going to look at how this builds on the story so far. So, for example, when we come to Abraham, we'll look at Abraham and then we'll look at how what happens with Abraham builds on our understanding, builds on our knowledge of God, assuming everything that comes before it. And then we're going to bring the whole of Scripture and say, how does this particular story, this event, fit in with the whole of Scripture? This is going to be our three-step process that we're going to follow. So, we've looked at the Genesis account of creation, and now we're going to look at creation in the rest of scriptures. Now, uh, you might say, well, what happened to your other step, Andrew? You said, what about how it builds on the story so far? Well, <clears throat> we can't do that because there is no story so far. This is the beginning, so we're jumping straight to comparing it with the rest of scripture. And then we're going to look at Jesus, the creator, and then finally, our response to the God who creates. That's where we're going today. So, um, let's look then at creation in the rest of Scripture. There are some wonderful reflections on creation in the book of Psalms, and I'm going to be reading some of them today, but one of the best known is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day, it speaks out. Night after night, it reveals his greatness. There is no actual speech or word, nor is its voice literally heard, yet its voice echoes throughout the earth. Its words carry to the distant horizon. I just that's such a beautiful way of describing it that the heavens are just declaring God just declaring who he is. Uh, I can remember once when 
Anne and I were camping in the wilderness in Algonquin, and we, uh, in the middle of the night, I poked my head, I was woken up by something, I poked my head out of the door of the tent, and there was no moon, and there was no no um, other lights around to, to, to spoil the view, and I could see the Milky Way across the sky in such an extraordinary display of, 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 of glory. I'd never in my life seen that before. And you remember that hand, don't you? Yeah. I, so I came and got you, didn't I? And I said, well, how come nobody ever told me? And you said the same thing. How come nobody ever told us the sky could be like this? This is, this is mind blowing. And I, it was just a moment that, of course, in ancient times or in, in undeveloped uh, parts of the world where there's not no light pollution, you get to see this uh, when the moon isn't up. But we've never seen it before. And uh, there is this, this wow moment. Um, in fact, not just the stars, but as scientists are discovering more and more about the wonders even of a single cell, they're exclaiming, even atheists is exclaiming, this is amazing. I did a little search and there was a presentation recently at Cornell University. Um, it was entitled Embryo from Single Cell to Amazing Wonder. Embryonic development continues to amaze scientists. Marcos Samos Costa is one. He studies the neural crest stem cells that in, induce parts of the body. And you can see that online. Um, so he's using these words, wonder, amazing, um, because that's what creation is. Even a single cell has got extraordinary things going on in it. Here's another one from University College London. The wonder of the single cell. Professor Buzzbaum, um, the UCL MRC lab for molecular cell biology, and this was May 2019. Um, this word, these words are being used to describe creation by secular scientists because it is so amazing what has been done by God in his creative world. So I would say that with the psalmist, the stars are speaking. Creation is speaking to us. In fact, I would say it's shouting to us. If you were to walk up on the hills at night and there's no moon or light pollution and you see the stars they are shouting, there is a God, and he's full of wonder. In fact, I would say that if you don't get, you don't see God in that, you are deliberately blocking it out. And in fact, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is, God is so evident that you actually have to block it out, to actively block it out, not to get it. In Romans 1 it says, because what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse. Very clear. People are without excuse because the wonder of creation is so clear and strong. Another psalm reflecting on the wonder of creation, is Psalm 33. We read, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, 
and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the ocean, oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. So there you are. Let everyone stand at awe. Let's just be amazed at a, a, a fear of like a kind of, of, of his awesomeness because he's done this. He has done this amazing creation. So there's this emotion of awe and wonder that I think is really important that should come through this study. And as we're looking at the rest of scripture and how scripture reflects on creation, we're seeing this coming through, I think, clearly. So where we've been going, we've looked at the Genesis account and I've looked at creation in the rest of scripture and some reflections on that. I have a few more to go, but I particularly want to look at Jesus, the creator, and what the Bible says about that. Um, we read about the spirit in Genesis 1, the spirit hovering over the face of the water, but it turns out that Jesus was an integral part of what happened. He's described as the word, and when God spoke creation, it was sending out the word, who is Jesus. And of course, you know where that is. It's in John 1. In the beginning was the word. And that echoes Genesis 1, you know, in the beginning, God. So in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was fully God. The word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. So this is the position that Jesus has. And this is a very brief point, but I wanted to bring this in because it's so important uh, why is this important? Well, if you think of Jesus' role in the Trinity, Jesus' role is to make God known. He is the revelation of God. So when he came to earth, it was so that we would know God. It was to reveal God. But actually, every revelation of God is through Jesus. So the scriptures, the whole of the scriptures are through him. But creation is actually Jesus revealing the, 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 the God, God, Father, Son, and Spirit to us. So creation is through Jesus because Jesus is the revealer of God. So that is just a brief point, but I think it's an important point to see that Jesus is an integral part of this. And then I want to end by looking at how we respond to this. How we respond, and I've, I've got, uh, uh, in terms of how we respond, I've got three things. First of all, I want to say it's to have a sense of wonder. We're going to respond this morning by having a sense of wonder. And I want to say that in my experience, one of the things that supports my faith the most strongly is this wonder of creation. You know, even if everything else wasn't true, I could not believe that there wasn't a God, that somehow it had come about by chance. Because 
the wonder of creation. And I've got a, you know, I've got a science PhD. I've studied um, this kind of thing. And I'm just amazed. And, but you don't have to have a science PhD. You can just have eyes to see. And, you know, um, we've got sparrows in our back, in our backyard and other birds that come to our bird feeder. And you watch these tiny birds and they are just so perfect in the way that they live their life cycle, <laughs> you know, from, from eggs and then the, 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 the parent birds feed these little birds and they learn to fly and, and they fly and we see them and they're just so perfect. You think, did this come across by chance? No, no, this is just so amazing. And there's a breathtaking beauty and there's an intricate design. So I really want to encourage you this morning to develop that sense of wonder. That sense of seeing things and seeing, wow, that's a God, a beauty. You know, when you're going for a walk in nature, just seeing, just allow that to resonate in you. This is what the Bible is teaching us to do. We are, we're called to have wonder. So the first response is wonder. Uh, the second thing I want to say, though, is that we are called by the scriptures to care for creation. We are to care for the environment. And one place that has that in is Psalm 8. Um, when I look up at the heavens, which your fingers have made, and see the moon and stars, which you set in place, of what importance is humanity that you notice them? Of what importance is humankind that you pay attention to them and make them a little less than the heavenly beings? You grant mankind honor and majesty. You appoint them to rule over your creation. You have placed everything under their authority, including all the sheep and cattle, as well as the wild animals and birds in the sky and fish in the sea and everything that moves throughout the currents of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. This goes back to the first few chapters in Genesis where Adam and Eve were put in a garden, they were put in Eden, and they were given the responsibility to look after it. And they were to, to, to keep it and to tend it and to look after it. And this is picking up on this, that actually we have a responsibility from God to look after this creation and not to destroy it. So, uh, we've looked at as having a sense of wonder. We've looked at our responsibility to look after creation. And the last point I want to make is that God is actually sustaining creation moment by moment. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of deism. So deism is the belief that God just wound up the clock and just set creation going, and then he just stands back and just looks at it. And creation is ticking along, and God is not involved moment by moment in creation. So it's not a Christian position, but there are people out there who have a view of the divine, but it's not a divine that interacts. That is not what we believe. He is before all things, and in in him all things hold together. That's speaking of Jesus as creator in Colossians. In him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus is actively involved in keeping creation running. So the stars in the sky are actually, 
it's not that they're just moving and uh, you know they on automatic. No, all of it is in God's hands, moment by moment. Um, another verse would be: the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. So I could have used that verse back in when I was talking about Jesus. In fact, I could have used the Colossians one as well because they are linking Jesus to creation. But they're actually, I kept them here because they're actually doing more than that because they're saying he didn't just create, but he's sustaining things as they continue. Um, Back in the Old Testament, Job, in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Do you want to stop for a moment? Can you put your hand on your heart? Can you feel it beating? Maybe you're you're better off holding your wrist. I can feel my heartbeat right now. You know, every single beat is there with God's power. God is behind every single beat of my heart. Um, that's isn't that isn't that amazing? Like He is behind all of these things. Um, another place which reflects this is in him we live and move and have our being so creation is not something which is just kicked off and left running but constantly god is involved in it and we saw particularly this is through jesus christ Um, so and this also i think shows these verses here show that it's not just the big that god's involved with it's the small as well um, even the tiniest things, even every cell of your body, God is involved with and, and his power is there. Now, of course, this raises the question, um, if God can stop suffering, why doesn't he stop all suffering? And uh, that's a very important question, but it's well below this, well outside of the scope of this sermon. And it's one that we've, we've had times at, at New Life where we've given some times to discuss that. We went through a book on that. It's an important question. But um, all I can say is that God, that God's power and God's love do come together. They don't contradict one another. <clears throat> another question people ask, well, is there anything that God can't do? You know, God, could God commit suicide? Or, you know, what could, if God is all-powerful? Well, God cannot do anything that is inconsistent with himself. He can't behave inconsistently. So if God is love and God's perfect love, God cannot behave unlovingly. So that is a limit, if you like, to God's power. It's a good limit, but God is not able to do something which is, which is, um, inconsistent with who he is. Um, I don't think that's actually a limit to his power. I think actually that is a purification of his power. So my last slide then is just summarizing how we respond. We respond with a sense of wonder. I want to encourage you to do that this coming week, to take opportunities to see God in things that are beautiful. When we did our series on Thanksgiving, we talked about practicing Thanksgiving and just seeing that around us. And this is part of it, as we see God's and we Develop a sense of wonder at who he is. The second is care of his creation. Realize that you're actually called to participate in God's work 
It's actually a huge, wonderful responsibility that he's called you into this creation to giving you this task of actually keeping it up. Um, Anne and I, um, in the last few weeks, have had a couple of, of visits to to places in Ontario where they've been um, restoring the wilderness, or at least partially restoring wilderness. And um, it's just beautiful what's being done. Like just beautiful how the wonder of God's creation is being is being recovered in that way. And that just fits in with this calling of what it is to just restore the beauty that's there in God's creation. And the third one is to know that he is still involved moment by moment with you and me. And that leads us to prayer and it leads us to confidence. Recently, I've been reading The Life of Joseph and The Life of Joseph is an extraordinary story of God being in control of the very minutest detail in his life. Every tiny little thing, God is there, and a small thing makes a huge difference later on, and God leads him along this pathway. And I want to encourage you that God is there with you, and you talk to him about it in prayer. Um, Be encouraged at his concern and his care that hasn't stopped with you. So I hope that that has given you something that you can really take into your life now. It's not just something you think, oh, this happened a long time ago, God did this creation, but this is how it's relevant to you now. And so let's pray, shall we, that this will really speak to us now. Father, we thank you for your awesome wonder. We thank you for your beauty, that it's not just power, but it's extraordinary beauty. And this beauty is who you are. This beauty speaks of you, that you're a God of beauty, a God of extraordinary wonder and loveliness. Lord, thank you for that revelation that we have of you. And thank you, God, that you've given us this responsibility to care for what you've done and to be part of your work. Help us to do that, Lord, and be faithful as we do that. And Lord, we we thank you that you are caring for us even now, moment by moment. And we trust you, Lord, with your power over our lives now. In Jesus' name, amen.